just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Saturday, finally the fucking weekend. But I can tell you this, the House of Representatives finally has a Speaker of the House. And it happens to be Kevin McCarthy. Now, for those of you that are upset about that, hold on. We'll talk more about that later. Don't worry so much about that. There's bigger things to worry about within the House of Representatives. But I got to tell you, last night, Friday night, was one of the more exciting nights I've had in years. I'm 62 years old. Most Friday nights for me are pretty sedate. But this was a combination of a circus, a carnival, a WWE event, and uh, a fucking kegger. It was, it was wild. And uh, it seems appropriate for all that's gone on. You know, for some time now, the House of Representatives has been trying to elect a Speaker of the House. They had 13 ballots, and on 13 ballots, Kevin McCarthy lost every goddamn time. But Kevin McCarthy stuck with it, and he says, eventually, I will get elected. And he was right, but the way he got elected was very entertaining. Now, they scheduled another ballot for 10 o'clock last night, Friday night, which seemed weird because that's kind of late to schedule a vote. They wouldn't normally do that. But the Republicans and Kevin McCarthy seemed pretty jubilant, pretty excited. They seemed pretty cocky. They figured they had this vote in the bag. Okay, fair enough. So they start the vote. And the vote seems to be pretty normal at first. But toward the end, it takes a turn. Because you see, Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert didn't vote for anybody. They just voted present. Which brought Kevin McCarthy up short. He missed it by this much, maybe one vote. So in the 14th ballot, Kevin McCarthy did not win. Now, the House clerk didn't gavel it as finished right away, so there was a lot of running around. A lot of people were very upset about what what went down on the 14th ballot. I have a feeling the Republicans and Kevin McCarthy thought that Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert would do something different. I mean, who would ever guess that Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert would be the snakes in the grass? I think all us Democrats would, but apparently the Republicans were fooled. So now he loses in the 14th ballot, but the gavel hasn't struck yet, so people can technically change their votes. Kevin McCarthy goes over to Matt Gates and basically says, what the fuck do I got to do here, idiot? (laughs) He stands there for a minute. And then another guy walks up. His name is Mike Rogers. He's a rep from Alabama. Now he's irate. Apparently, Matt and Lauren double-crossed him. And this guy comes over and he's yelling and screaming at Matt Gates. He even tried to go down the aisle toward him up until the time another rep grabbed him around the head of all things and pulled him the hell out of there. It was quite a mess. 
And I'm sure Matt Gates was a little nervous. He's not the kind of guy that could square up with anybody and actually have a fight. And I got to be honest with you, for as volatile as Republicans are, I would worry about Matt Gates's safety once he left the Capitol after double-crossing the Republican Party. Well, it wasn't done yet. They gaveled it in. Kevin McCarthy was the loser in the 14th ballot. No uh, Speaker of the House was elected. So after that, another representative, a Republican representative, stood at the podium and said, I'd like to make an emo- a motion for an adjournment until Monday at noon, which I thought was really weird. Why wouldn't you just come back tomorrow and get this shit done? But apparently people had to be out of town. They had to fly some people in because of some illnesses and pregnancies and stuff. Uh, So they wanted to give it the weekend so people could settle down and then come back and they could spend some time figuring out how the fuck they're going to fix this mess. But then Kevin McCarthy goes over and talks to Matt Gates, and they seem pretty cordial when they're talking. And as soon as Kevin McCarthy turns away from Matt Gates, he almost sprints down to this table and grabs a red card. And then he starts telling everybody around him, Republicans, grab a red card. So they all do. And what they're doing uh, is changing their vote because, you see, this adjournment was winning. They were going to adjourn until Monday. But now Kevin McCarthy has all these Republicans changing their votes so they stay and do another vote that night. Now, the only reason they would want to do that is because they knew they had it in the bag. But, of course, they thought they had it in the bag on the 14th ballot. But this time, they believed they had it. So once again, you go through the process, the nominations, all this bullshit. And then they start taking the votes. And the votes go pretty normally like they have. You know, Hakeem Jeffries is going to get 212 votes. Uh, McCarthy got up to like 215 at one point. But then when it came to the six dissenters, the people that didn't like Kevin McCarthy who said they'd never vote for Kevin McCarthy. Turns out they never did vote for Kevin McCarthy, but they did kind of puss out. For whatever reason, they felt the pressure or they were bribed into it. All six of them voted present, which brought down the criteria for for how many votes Kevin McCarthy would need. So all six of them wimped out. They didn't vote for McCarthy, but they all voted present. And Kevin McCarthy won the Speaker of the House with 216 votes. Now, of course, Kevin McCarthy and the Republicans are screaming and yelling just like they won the heavyweight championship of the world. But yeah, Kevin, it was after 15 fucking tries and after giving away every power that you have. You got to be careful what you ask for, dude, because uh, you just might get it. And he did get it. He is going to be Speaker of the House. Now, the upside to this is we had a House of Representatives that was paralyzed, that could do nothing. They did no oversight. They couldn't deal with the security of the country. So this was a bad thing for the country not to have a Speaker of the House. Granted, it would be better if it wasn't Kevin McCarthy, but we need the House of Representatives operating for all the things they are responsible for doing. So in that sense, it's a good thing that we got the Speaker of the House put in place. 
Now they can get down to business. Now the question is, what kind of business are they going to get into? You see, Kevin McCarthy had to give up a lot of shit. He had to make a lot of promises and give away a lot of power. The fact is, Kevin McCarthy is probably going to end up being the weakest Speaker of the House in the history of the country. Which isn't good news for Republicans. Because the Republican House is so divided. You've got the MAGA fucks and you've got the moderates and conservatives. They're never going to agree on anything. Hell, they couldn't elect Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House until they went to the 15th ballot. How's it going to go when they want to legislate or they want to pass something? It's going to be even more problematic. This vote for Kevin McCarthy may have been the easiest vote they ever do. When it comes to legislation, they're going to have bigger problems because these conservatives and moderates just aren't going to be all that amenable. Now, a lot of people are asking, what kind of things did he give up? McCarthy reportedly made numerous concessions to the Freedom Caucus, which most of the holdouts belong to. Number one, only one House member needed to file a motion to vacate the chair. Now, what that means is one person has to stand up. It could be Matt Gates, It could be Marjorie Taylor Greene. It could be fucking anybody. And they could stand up and say, I would like a vote of no confidence for our Speaker of the House. So he does one thing wrong and enough people don't like it. They vote no confidence and he's out the fucking door and they got to find another another Speaker of the House. And that's why I suggest, given who Kevin McCarthy is and who the uh, MAGA fucks are, Kevin McCarthy may not last the whole two years as Speaker of the House. This is not going to be a pleasant experience for him. Now, he offered some other things. Freedom Caucus members having a few seats on the House Rules Committee that will allow those members to leverage certain criteria behind voting for bills. Number three, voting on a bill setting term limits for members of Congress. That's interesting. That's something I heard Matt Gates say, and that's not a bad idea. We've all agreed that term limits would be a good thing. To think that's going to pass is fucking crazy. It's not, but at least somebody's bringing it up. Number four, individual votes on each of the 12 appropriation bills and excluding earmarks from such bills. What they're trying to say is, let's not pile a bunch of shit on one bill. Let's vote on one thing at a time. And that's not a bad thing. That's why I'm saying... What went on here may not be that bad for Democrats. Number five, a vote on legislation surrounding border security. Six, 72-hour notice from release of legislation before voting on it, meaning giving them time to read it. Number seven, a vote on a balanced budget amendment. Bills regarding term limits and border security would likely be dead on arrival in the Democrat-controlled Senate. See, that's the thing. They can pass whatever they want in the House, and they're going to have a hard time doing it because the Republicans don't agree on shit. But even if they do come to terms with some bill, it'll go to the Senate, and if it's bullshit, then the Senate will just shut it down as they do. These people were hoping for a lot of power, and frankly... What Kevin McCarthy did is he gave a lot of power to the Freedom Caucus. 
which is not a good thing. Kevin McCarthy was only concerned with getting the title of Speaker of the House. He was willing to give away all his power. He's going to be hanging by a thread every fucking day. The moment somebody gets pissed off at him, they're going to say, let's vote for no confidence. And he's going to be on the chopping block every fucking time. The other problem he has is that because he's so obliged to the uh, uh, Freedom Caucus, you've got the moderates and the uh, conservatives not going to be too happy about that. They aren't going to side with MAGA. They're going to try to be as far away from MAGA as possible. So you see what I'm saying here. Having Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House isn't necessarily a bad thing. They only have a slim majority. But again, Kevin McCarthy is probably the weakest Speaker of the House in the history of this country. And because he is who he is and because the Freedom Caucus is there and the other people that don't like the Freedom Caucus, make no mistake, these people don't like each other. But the problem is, is they're both in the Republican Party and they're both in the House. So it's going to be impossible for these people to come together and decide on anything. And that's why I say Kevin McCarthy is probably the best possible option, short of another Democrat, to be Speaker of the House in, uh, in Washington. Because they won't be able to get anything done. Kevin McCarthy isn't about legitimacy or credibility. He's all about the show. He's a lot like his Lord and Savior, Donald Trump. He's not very detail-oriented. He has everybody else do things, and he wants to be the ringmaster, which, in this case, he is the ringmaster. So we're going to go starting tomorrow or Monday or whatever. The Republicans will have control of the House. But by putting all these Freedom Caucus people on those committees, it's going to be problematic. It's going to be a shit show, and it puts us as risk in this country. Say when the debt limit comes up, say they refuse to pass it, then that can crash the government, shut down the government, crash the economy. Now, for in my wildest dreams, I can't imagine why they would want to do that. I know that they want to do some things to ultimately cut out the Social Security and Medicare and all those sorts of things and hand more money over to the rich. But if they crash the economy, this is going to impact a lot of wealthy people who are their constituents, who are their benefactors, who feed them money. They aren't going to be happy about this at all. You see, the thing is with the Freedom Caucus, they're not about policy. They don't have a platform. They're all in this for chaos and creating upheaval in the House of Representatives. They don't want to do anything for anybody. They want to bring down this government. And they might think now that Kevin McCarthy is in and the Freedom Caucus people got all this power now that they're in a position to do that. But hold on a second. They're forgetting about something. First of all, the Senate isn't going to pass anything that's crazy. And if the Senate doesn't pass it, well, they're fucked. Mitch McConnell isn't even going to agree with some of the stuff that's happening in the House. But more than that, these people are in self-destruct mode. These things that they want to do, investigations of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's laptop and all this shit, that's just crazy shit. 
And that's one of the reasons they lost the midterms. So the way the House of Representatives is set up now with Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House and the Freedom Caucus in control of a lot of it, they are basically going to burn down their chances of winning in 2024. And I'm all for that. I mean, people want to see things getting done. They're tired of the craziness, the conspiracy theories. And, you know, frankly, in the House of Representatives, some of these reps are QAnon fucks. That's all we need is for that to rear its ugly head again, and that won't play well for them. We are fortunate that we have a leader in the House of Representatives on the Democratic side, Hakeem Jeffries. He's very smart. He's very passionate. He's very articulate. And what I like about him most, he's no nonsense. You're not going to get in Hakeem's face and back him down. He's going to back you down. So there's going to be some arguments and some fights in this upcoming session. It's two years. To expect anything to come out of the House of Representatives <laughs> is very hopeful because I can't imagine that it will. The Freedom Caucus will want this crazy shit. The conservatives and the moderates will say, no, we're not doing that. So they'll be spinning their wheels for two years. And while they're spinning their wheels, they're losing their opportunities and chances to win anything in 2024. After the Republicans do what they do in the House of Representatives, I'm convinced that in 2024, Democrats will be back in charge. I think people will be tired of dealing with the craziness of the Republican Party. We've seen that already. We've also seen how millennials and Gen Zs are having an impact on our elections. They had a big impact on 2022. They're going to have an even bigger impact on 2024. Things don't look good for the Republican Party as they stand right now. Now, there's another part of this that we aren't even talking about yet. We have the investigations into the J6 insurrection. We know that there are sitting members of Congress that are in the sights of the DOJ. They could very well get indictments. They could very well get convicted. And when that happens, how does this all play out? Well, if they get thrown out of the House of Representatives, then there has to be special elections. And yes, they could all be replaced by other Republicans, and maybe that's likely. But there could be some Democrats that sneak in there because people are fucking tired of the Republican bullshit. And since there's a minor majority, a very slim majority, it's not going to take much to even things out or even let the Democrats take the lead. So whether Kevin McCarthy is the Speaker of the House for two years, that's uncertain. Whether the Republicans will maintain the majority in the House of Representatives, that's uncertain too. A lot of things can change in two years, and they probably will. We are going to see some wild shit in the House of Representatives. It's weird because now we'll see the Senate and the Oval Office kind of being the voice of reason, and we'll see the shit show in the House of Representatives. Now, a lot of people are thinking, well, they're going to try to impeach Joe Biden. Well, they can try, but it's not going to work. Even if they did vote on impeachment in the House, it'll never pass through the Senate. It'll be much like what happened with Donald Trump and uh, Bill Clinton. But I would be surprised 
if they could even win impeachment in the House of Representatives. Again, that goes to the crazy shit. Now, the MAGA fucks and the Freedom Caucus love that shit, and they think that's a winner. But the moderates and the conservatives know that's a fucking loser. So they're going to want to get away from it as much as possible. So when it comes to the House floor, clearly the Democrats are going to vote against it. And if all the Republicans don't for a vote for it, it's not going to pass. And since there's such a close margin, all you have to do is have five, six, maybe seven Republicans vote against it. And if they do, nothing happens. And I'm willing to bet there's at least six or seven Republicans that will vote against the craziness because they want to appear to be moving away from the Freedom Caucus, from the MAGA fucks, from Donald Trump. So I think the Republicans, while they think they have power now, their power will be limited because they're so divided. It's going to be impossible for them to get anything done. People ask me, well, are you sad because Kevin McCarthy is the speaker now? Well, I think it was a foregone conclusion that they would game it somehow to get this in. I mean, somebody like Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert, and all these other holdouts, they were basically holding the speaker's job hostage. Their goal here wasn't to not let Kevin McCarthy be the Speaker of the House. It was to instead get control of the Speaker of the House and get all these plum jobs on committees. In fact, when they finally got uh, Matt Gates to agree on something and allow Kevin McCarthy to win in the 15th ballot, some people are saying that Kevin McCarthy agreed to give him the chairmanship on the military committee, something like that, which is something he wanted. I don't know why, but it couldn't be for good. And so apparently they say that Kevin McCarthy gave him that position. It's going to be interesting to see how things play out. Thankfully, Hakeem Jeffries is a very strong leader. And if there are ways to shut these people down, Hakeem Jeffries will certainly be available to do that. And something else to consider is while Nancy Pelosi is no longer Speaker of the House, she's still in the House. She's still a representative. So anything Hakeem Jeffries isn't sure about, he's got a hell of a consultant sitting right there, not that far away from him. So I have a lot of confidence in the Democrats. In spite of the slim majority, a lot of things can change over the next two years. A lot of things can go wrong for the Republican Party, and I suspect they will. I mean, what happens if they kick out Kevin McCarthy on a no-confidence vote? Who do they put in next? Again, they have the same problem they had with Kevin McCarthy. There is nobody in the Republican House of Representatives that can get 218 votes. Hell, Kevin McCarthy didn't even get 218 votes. He got 216. They just dropped the number of votes needed because those six dissenters voted present and lowered the bar. I will give Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert credit. They said they'd never vote for Kevin McCarthy, and they didn't. But they still gave up. They still gave in by voting present, knowing that Kevin McCarthy would then be elected. So they kind of pushed out here. Not surprising. There's probably a lot of pressure on them. They are going to be the most like people in Congress. 
And, of course, those two have their other issues. We've got child sex trafficking. We've got insurrection. We've got some other rules that have probably been broken. So I wouldn't get too cocky if I was uh, Matt Gates. He's got some other problems waiting for him on the other side. So now we have the Senate in place and we have the House in place and we can start to get down to business. The question is how much business is going to get done. And I've said this before with with the Freedom Caucus in charge. And make no mistake, they are in charge. Whether they hold the majority of the Republicans in the House or not, they've got leverage on Kevin McCarthy that nobody could have ever imagined. If Kevin McCarthy doesn't walk in lockstep with the Freedom Caucus, there's going to be a no-confidence vote the next fucking day. And Kevin McCarthy is kind of a wimp. You know, he's not a very strong guy. He goes along to get along. Donald Trump seemed to be a winner for him, so he saved Donald Trump by going down to Mar-a-Lago after he lost the election and gave Donald Trump life again. And Kevin McCarthy is largely responsible for this Trumpism still being a factor in our politics. Had Kevin McCarthy not gone down there and given him some credibility, he could have just faded away into obscurity and they could have moved on to the next thing. But here's the thing that's interesting. These MAGA fucks love and pray to Donald Trump. But Donald Trump was supporting Kevin McCarthy so these uh, these uh, Freedom Caucus folks, or MAGA fucks, were going against Donald Trump. So as it turns out, it looks like they understand Donald Trump's um, uh, stock is going down quickly, and it certainly is. He doesn't have the grip on the Republican Party that he once had. He's starting to fade, and once that first indictment pops up, he's going to be fucking done and gone. But for whatever reason, the Freedom Caucus still loves Trumpism. You know, the white supremacy, the racism, the misogyny, the anti-Semitism, the overturning elections, overthrowing the government. They still love that shit. And it kind of goes back to what I said before. These kinds of people have always been there. But they've been well hidden under rocks afraid to stick their heads out because they're afraid it would get chopped off. But the moment Donald Trump stepped into office and started talking just like them, they said, hey, ollie ollie in free. It's a good day. Now we can say what we believe. So if you think we have more racism, more misogyny or anti-Semitism than we ever had before, that's not true. They were always there. Donald Trump just made it okay to speak loud and proud. And now that Donald Trump is losing stock, they don't care. They're out there now. They've made their point, and they're not going to go away until they are eradicated. Now, the way things stand right now with the Republican Party, and let's just focus on the House. You have the Freedom Caucus, which isn't the majority of the Republicans in the House. You have the Uh, conservatives, and you have the moderates trying to step away from Donald Trump and MAGA. And if anybody hopes to save the Republican Party, what they need to do is eradicate MAGA, eradicate the Freedom Caucus. 
because people are afraid about what the Freedom Caucus will do to the Democrats, I wouldn't worry about that because they're going to do more damage to the Republican Party. And if they want to do that, God bless them. Let them go. Godspeed. Destroy the Republican Party. As it is, the Republican Party is a mere shell of its once image. And with the division in the Republican Party, it makes it virtually impossible for them to win any elections or pass any bills. So what we might do in the House of Representatives is just sit back and watch these fucking clowns fight. Because for all intents and purposes, what's going on with the Republicans in the House of Representatives, it is in fact a fucking clown show. And everybody will see this every day. None of this is going to be helpful to them come the election in 2024. They are in self-destruct mode. Now, some of the moderates and the conservatives know this, and it's driving them nuts that they have this power. So I assume these people will try to do whatever they can to marginalize or quell these MAGA fucks. Whether they'll be able to do that or not, I'm not sure. But they are fighting for their very lives. They are fighting for the very life of the Republican Party. The Republican Party is on a path of destruction. Some of them know this. The Freedom Caucus apparently hasn't a clue. So maybe we sit back and let the House do what the fucking House does. Let them ride the two years, make fools of themselves, cost themselves votes, and hope in two years that the Democrats can take over. And while that's going on, the Senate, because they have the power to do it, and we are, it is controlled by the Democratic Party, let the Democrats just appoint federal judge after federal judge, appoint a record amount of federal judges. That's the one thing they can do without having to worry about the Republicans, so let's just put on the gas and uh, elect as many or appoint as many federal judges as possible. This will piss off the Republicans. They're big on having control over judges. But over the next two years, Joe Biden and the Democratic Senate will be able to do whatever they want. And God help them if there should be a need to appoint a new member of the Supreme Court. Because then the Republicans will lose somebody and the Democrats will gain somebody. I know a lot of people out there are saying, oh, my God, McCarthy won. The Republicans have control. They don't have that much control. Don't get excited. Don't be worried. The worst they can do is make it worse for themselves. That's what's going to fucking happen. Of course, we'll be watching it closely and laughing at all the shit shows they've, they get into. I mean, if you want a, um, a precursor to what's going to go on the next two years, just look at the 15 votes they took simply to get a Speaker of the House. It's said that that vote to get the Speaker of the House may be the easiest thing they've done, and you can see how difficult it was. It will be worse for bills and ideas that they come up with. So don't be too worried. The fact that the Democrats lost control of the House was a terrible thing, and people were upset about it. But the way it's turned out, we're making the best out of a bad situation. If we're going to lose power in the House of Representatives, by all means, do it by a slim margin. 
do it with a weak Speaker of the House and do it with a divided Republican Party in the House of Representatives. That doesn't bode well for them. And maybe we can just keep them from fucking up too many things. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, I'm constantly hearing, when is something going to happen to Donald Trump and all his little fucking toadies? It's been a long time coming. And I've told you before, you can't be so anxious. You can't be so impatient. This all does take time. But that said, we know that... uh, The grand jury down in Fulton County, Georgia, with Fonnie Willis, the DA down there, is coming to an end, which means we could be getting close to Fonnie Willis issuing some indictments. Donald Trump being top of the list, Rudy Giuliani, um, and uh, many others that were involved in trying to overturn the election in Georgia. So we may see some indictments from Georgia sometime soon. Now, that said, the special counsel investigating Donald Trump could decide whether to file criminal charges against him in just weeks after amassing a trove of new state documents concerning pressure to overturn the 2020 election, sources have told Blumberg. Now, special counsel Jack Smith and his team of Justice Department prosecutors are currently poring over new emails, letters, and other records from battleground states. We, we know he's looking over a number of things, but now he's getting some input from these swing states that Donald Trump tried to coerce. You can tell that it's moving quickly. Brian Kidd, a former federal prosecutor who served under Smith at the Department of Justice, um, Officials in Arizona, Georgia, New Mexico, and Nevada confirmed to Blumberg that they have compiled or complied with the grand jury. From uh, Smith's office, the material turned over by Nevada and reviewed by Blumberg reveals that the Trump representatives baselessly accused the state's local officials of allowing election fraud and abuse soon after Trump lost the vote to Joe Biden. Now, we know there's never been a shred of evidence showing any kind of election fraud, but it doesn't matter to Donald Trump. He keeps, he still to this day continues to say there was election fraud. Now he knows there was an election fraud, but he thinks if he can keep lying and say it louder and longer than anybody else, people will believe it. Now that might've worked when he was a kid. It might've worked when he had his company, but he's in the big boy land now with the government and the media and nobody's buying it anymore. Now, in a recorded phone call released last year, Trump told Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, and the general counsel in his office after the election to find enough votes to turn his loss into a win. Fellas, I need 11,780 votes. Give me a break, Trump said in the call. How many times do you get a criminal commit the crime on audio tape and then say, that didn't happen? Well, that's what Donald Trump does. That call was perfect. No, that was Ukraine and Zelensky, wasn't it? This was another perfect call. Now, subpoenas went to officials in a total of seven states that Biden won and where Trump or his allies pressured politicians and election officials in a bid to subvert the vote and create fake slates of pro-Trump electors. 
That's a big deal. Remember when that first came out, we heard that they were trying to pull this fake electors things, and we all kind of laughed and said, well, that's a lame attempt. Well, it was a lame attempt, but it was also highly illegal. And all these average people trying to be fake electors, trying to be heroes, they're risking some time in prison now. And I have a feeling that's not setting too well with them. Now, officials in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania either declined to comment about whether or not they complied with the subpoenas or did not immediately respond. Now, they may not want to talk about it, but I'd be surprised if they didn't comply. It's one thing if the January 6th Select Committee says, here's a subpoena. They go, yeah, no, I don't really want to do that. Clearly, that wasn't a problem for most of these folks that wanted to ignore the select committee. But when the DOJ does it, well, that's a whole different horse of a different color. You don't fuck with the DOJ. Now, Smith's team is also closely examining voluminous testimony transcripts recorded by the House Select Committee. They have all the evidence that the House Select Committee had. Uh, The testimony includes White House aides who testified that Trump knew he lost the election, even as he was claiming fraud and a former official who linked to Trump to the effort to seat the fake electors. They've got all the evidence. Donald Trump knew he lost, but he continued to lie. He was involved, and all of this evidence shows that he was involved. Now, the January 6th committee last month unanimously voted to refer four criminal charges against Donald Trump to the DOJ, obstructing an official proceeding, conspiring to defraud the United States, conspiring to make false statements, and inciting an insurrection against the United States. Now, those referrals don't hold any power. That doesn't guarantee an indictment. It's just a referral to the DOJ. Now, if there are indictments coming out of the DOJ, they probably have made those decisions already. This, these referrals might help support what they're ultimately going to do, but the DOJ has the final word. The January 6th committee does not have the final word. A lot of people thought that they were a legal entity, and they are not. They were basically there to gather and investigate and get evidence, expose that evidence to the people, to all of us, and to refer it all to the Department of Justice because they're the ones that are responsible for issuing indictments and that sort of thing. There was never anything going to come out of the January 6th committee as far as somebody being indicted or put in jail or anything like that. That never was going to happen. But they played an important role. They did a lot of investigations. They interviewed 1,200 people, so they have tons and tons of evidence, evidence that all of us can go look at, which makes it a lot tougher for the DOJ to sweep things under the rug. They don't have time or they don't feel comfortable with it. We all know about it now, so they're going to be hard-pressed to say, yeah, we're not going to indict for this because they're going to get a lot of questions. Now, Smith was appointed in November by Merrick Garland, just days after Trump announced that he was running for the presidency. He is in charge of the investigations into both Trump's efforts to overturn the election he lost and also the classified documents found secretly stashed at his Mar-a-Lago, Florida home. Now, a federal judge on Wednesday ruled in favor of the DOJ in a battle concerning those documents. Beryl Howell, chief judge of the federal district court in Washington, D.C., ordered that Trump's attorneys had to provide 
the names of private investigators Trump hired to search his properties for any remaining records. The Justice Department presumably hopes to glean more details about how the documents were moved and stored at Trump properties from these investigators. You have to understand what happened here. Of course, the FBI went down and searched his home. They found top-secret documents, even though his lawyer said, oh, they're all gone, we don't have any more. They ended up pulling out 20 boxes of documents, classified documents. So to suggest that they don't trust Donald Trump is an understatement. So what Donald Trump tried to do to avoid another search, and I don't know why he would, why he just wouldn't hand this stuff over, he hired a third-party company to investigate the top secret documents and what they had and where they had them and all that sort of thing. Through that investigation, they came up with one more top secret document. Can't remember where they got it from. And they turned it over to the DOJ as they were supposed to do. But here's the thing. Donald Trump hired them. I mean, do you think if someone was going to come search my house, I'd say, you know, hold on. I'll hire somebody to search my home and they'll tell you what was going on. You think that would go? Fuck no, that would not go. That would not fucking happen. So now the DOJ wants to talk to those investigators, find a little bit about who they are and what they found, and see if they are credible, see if they might lie for Donald Trump. I mean, they are being paid by Donald Trump. Why wouldn't they fucking lie? The bottom line is it looks like things are getting closer. Things are starting to happen. All the pieces are falling into place. The DOJ has all the evidence from the January 6th committee, which is considerable. I mean, there are literally hundreds of thousands of documents with evidence. There's hours and hours of video of testimony from witnesses. There's a lot of shit there. And if they can get through that quickly enough, that's going to tell them a lot. Now, when it comes down to indicting Donald Trump, most people believe that the first thing he'll be indicted for is the top secret documents. That's a simpler case. I mean, he says he didn't steal the documents, yet they found the documents at Mar-a-Lago. It was illegal for him to have them. It was illegal for him to take them. So there's really not much argument here. I mean, he'll try, you know, presidential privilege and all that other shit, but none of that's going to work. So if we see an indictment from the DOJ, it's probably going to be about those top secret documents, first of all. The January 6th thing will come later, only because there's so much more evidence to pour through. It's a more complex case. I mean, when you think about it, it's just not the toothless fucks that attack the Capitol. There's all kinds of things going on. There's what happened in Georgia. There's what happened in other swing states. There's the fake electors. There's all kinds of shit and all kinds of arms to this thing. And it's going to take longer for them to root everything out and do that investigation. And as I've said to you before, I don't care which one it is. All we really need for Donald Trump to be done is one indictment. Because when the first indictment falls then it's going to be an avalanche of shit that falls on Donald Trump and anybody close to him. So I'm really anxious to get that first indictment. And if we only get one, and it's a while before we get the second, don't fret. That one is going to do what we need to do 
to take Donald Trump out of the picture. Now, Donald Trump is a loser. We know he's a loser because the last election he won was 2016, 2018. He lost the, uh, the, the, the House in 2020. He lost the presidency. He lost the House and the Senate. And in 2022, his help endorsing people caused the Republicans to be embarrassed. He hasn't won anything since 2016. And at that, he had help from Russia. We know that's a fact. They can argue all they want. But we know that it's been proven that Russia did meddle in 2016. And they admitted to doing it to benefit Donald Trump. If that isn't meddling, if that isn't criminal, I don't know what the fuck is. The only reason Donald Trump isn't going down for that because he can just say, well, I didn't know they were doing that, and maybe he didn't. You know, a lot of people want to believe that Donald Trump is this asset to Russia, this brilliant asset that's kind of a spy. Well, he is an asset to Russia and some other countries, but it's not because he's so smart. It's actually because he's so stupid. He's just a useful idiot. They can manipulate him to do what they want him to do, and he'll happily do it because they understand how to deal with Donald Trump. Donald Trump doesn't realize or even consider that he's doing something against the United States. He doesn't care as long as he personally benefits. That's his own mental issue. That's narcissism, and that can't be fixed without some medical care, and he's not going to get that. Anyway... He lost again. On Friday, CNN reported that former President Donald Trump suffered another legal blow in court as, as a New York judge rejected his move to toss the lawsuit against his family by State Attorney General Letitia James. Judge Arthur Engeron had previously rejected several of Trump's legal arguments when he imposed a monitor on the Trump Organization last year. Uh, on Friday, in a written order, he ruled that the Trump's repetition of the arguments was frivolous. Um, reading these arguments was, to quote the baseball sage Lawrence Peter Yogi Berra, deja vu all over again. So he was kind of joking about it. But that's what Donald Trump does. He just reiterates the same bullshit that doesn't mean anything, thinking it'll catch somehow. And let's be honest, he really has no facts to support anything he's saying. So all he can do is repeat what he said. And since this judge isn't Judge Cannon, the one he had in his pocket, he's going to give a real-life decision. And he said, Donald, you're getting sued by the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. Ain't nothing you can do about it. The judge also rejected the Trump's arguments that some of the alleged fraudulent conduct occurred beyond the statute of limitations allowed under the law. Uh, Ivanka Trump, who left the business to go to the White House in 2017, argued that claims against her were time barred and that she didn't personal, personally falsify any business records. The judge said the attorney general's office has allegedly a liability sufficiently on Trump to survive a motion to dismiss. So again, the judge says, you guys want out of this? Nope. You're stuck. And that means Ivanka, Don Jr., and Eric, too. 
Now, previous reporting indicated that Judge Engoron had been considering sanctions against three law firms representing Trump. However, in this ruling, he decided against it. In its discretion, this court will not impose sanctions, which the court believes are unnecessary, having made its point. Now, this lawsuit by Letitia James is seeking a judgment of $250 million, but it could go well beyond that. It alleges that the Trump family committed civil fraud by manipulating the value of their assets in the Trump organization to avoid taxes. You got to wonder, do they have proof of that? Oh, yeah, we do have proof. Because remember, his taxes were recently released, and it shows him doing exactly that. A recent separate criminal case alleging the same targeted the Trump Organization, along with longtime CFO Alan Weisselberg. So this lawsuit also can go to that court case where Alan Weisselberg and the Trump Organization was found guilty of the very things Letitia James is suing Trump and his family over. Trump has no chance here. Having the Trump Organization convicted of fraud and then when Letitia James uh, does her lawsuit, assuming she wins for a minimum of $250 million. And in that lawsuit, she also asked that none of the Trumps can do any kind of business or have a business in New York for an extended period of time. People keep saying nothing's happened to Donald Trump. That right there, that's a lot of shit happening to Donald Trump. It isn't him in jail, but it is him being put out of business and breaking his bank account. All right. Fox business host Larry Kudlow and Fox news host Brian Kilmeade took some shots at Lauren Boebert. Now, wasn't she the darling of Fox News for a long time? They also took shots at Matt Gates for fundraising off their efforts to thwart Kevin McCarthy's bid to be the next Speaker of the House. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, Andy Biggs, and the bunch of them are sending out emails saying, we're fighting against Kevin McCarthy. We're fighting for America. Send us some money. These people are putting on this shit show, and then they're trying to get fundraising going behind it. That's the kind of people we have here. They're not the most ethical folks. McCarthy failed to gain enough votes in the 13th ballot, and he, he failed to gain enough in the 14th ballot. But finally, in the 15th ballot, he got the election to the Speaker of the House. The two main holdouts were, of course, Boebert and Gates, who pissed off Kudlow and Kilmeade. And it pissed off a lot of people, to be honest with you. There's got to a lot of, be a lot of people in the Republican Party that aren't fans of Boebert and Gates. Here's the thing that bothers me, Kilmeade said, appearing as a guest on Friday's Kudlow. I don't want to get a fundraising letter because you stood up to Kevin McCarthy. Bobert's camp has sent me two or three. They want to raise money, as does Gates. That, to me, is a total insincerity, and I don't know that, uh, that that is necessary. You need money to fight your own party, Kilmeade went on. That is stupid. That's not sincere. That's not serious. When you're just pumping out rhetoric and giving campaign speeches on the House floor at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you just won an election two weeks ago, you're wasting my time. That is awful, 
Kudlow replied. That is the worst thing I've heard today. Now, remember, Kudlow was in the um, Donald Trump uh, um, cabinet, or the administration anyway, and he's definitely a Trump humper. But you can see that many of the Trump humpers are not fans of Boebert or or Gates, or any of the other people that are involved in this group of six. Andy Biggs. The interesting thing about this is, we know that yesterday was the second anniversary of the January 6th insurrection back in 2021. One of the most horrific days in our history, when these redneck, evangelical pieces of shit decided to attack our capital, trying to stop the certification of election, trying to overturn the election, trying to overthrow our government when that happened. Now, in the investigations with the DOJ, we know that there are some people, sitting members of Congress, that were tied into this insurrection. They were involved in the strategizing, the mobilizing, and the fundraising for that attack and other things like the fake electors and such. We know they were involved. People like Paul Gozar, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Jim Jordan, all those people. But here's what's interesting. Two years later, in the House of Representatives, those same people are the ones responsible for how long it took to seat a Speaker of the House. This time, they weren't fighting against Democrats or our government in general. They were fighting amongst themselves. So what does that tell you? These people, like the Gosars, like the Gateses, like the Marjorie Taylor Greens, Lauren Boebert, and the like, they are the cancer in our government, specifically in the House of Representatives. They are a cancer, and as long as they're allowed to stay there, it will spread. It will metastasize like any cancer would. So hopefully the Republicans can make sense of that and understand that and try to do what they can to eradicate these fucks from their party. The Democrats fight against the Republicans. We're not happy with the way Republicans do business. We would like to put them out of business, wouldn't we? But I don't think we have to worry about it now. Because I think Republicans are going to be trying to put each other out of business. There are going to be fights. There are going to be arguments. There are going to be situations where they just can't agree. They are on a track of self-destruction, and I think we should just let them fucking do it. Better them fighting amongst themselves. We can sit back as Democrats and just do the best we can for the American people. Because you can bet the Republicans aren't going to be doing that. They're going to be too busy fighting with themselves. Now, of course, as I said, yesterday was the second anniversary of the January 6th Capitol attack. President Joe Biden awarded 14 individuals with the Presidential Citizens Medal on Friday afternoon. The president recognized the group of police and government workers for both protecting Congress during the January 6th insurrection and for the actions taken while overseeing the 2020 election process, process despite Donald Trump's efforts to overturn it. The often emotional ceremony took place in the East Room of the White House while the House of Representatives remained deadlocked in their vote to choose Speaker. 
Capitol Police Officer Eugene Goodman, that uh, cop that drew the angry crowd away from members of Congress, along with his fellow officer Harry Dunn, were there. Metropolitan Police Officer Michael Fanone, who has retired from the police department and is very outspoken, who answered a day-off phone call to come to work on January 6th, was awarded a medal, as was his colleague Daniel Hodges. And you'll remember... Michael Fanone was beaten, tased. He had at least one or two heart attacks in the process. The fact that he's still alive is truly amazing. Others bestowed with the first Presidential Citizens Medal of President Biden's administration include Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson and former Arizona House Speaker Rusty Bowers, both of whom resisted pressure to overturn the results of their state's elections. And Lady Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shea Moss. These were the Atlanta election workers harassed and threatened by Donald Trump supporters under false allegations of ballot tampering. Donald Trump went into the media and said, those two are stealing ballots or hiding ballots or switching ballots out. Now, these two women, uh, mother and daughter, were just trying to do their civil duty, trying to help out. They did nothing along the lines of ballot tampering. But when the president of the United States says you did, all those crazed fucks started going after them. They had to go into hiding because their lives were being threatened. And even to this date, Donald Trump will bring up their names and just fire things up again. These poor women have gone through hell for simply trying to do their civil duty. It's appalling what Donald Trump did to them. And this medal is the least we can do for him. Biden said all of it was fueled by the lies about the 2020 election. But on this day, two years ago, our democracy held because we, the people, did not flinch. And he's right. And we were fortunate because we had everything working against us. We had People in the White House, people in the DOJ, people in the Supreme Court, people in Congress that were working to overturn the elections and overthrow this government. To this day, I don't know how they failed. They had everything going for them. Thank God they were stupid, because had they been smart, we might be sitting in a different country today. Now, the last last story I want to talk about is just kind of satisfying. The law license of an attorney for right-wing conspiracy podcaster Alex Jones has been suspended for six months by a Connecticut judge who determined that he improperly and recklessly released confidential medical records about Sandy Hook families during a defamation case against Jones. Now, I hope this lawyer got his money up front because I don't know if Alex Jones will have any money left. But he sidled up to Alex Jones, bought into the lies, and then tried to troll troll these lies out in court. And uh, the judge didn't find the humor in it. Jones, of course, is a host of shows on his notorious InfoWars website, lost major defamation lawsuits in Texas and Connecticut for claiming the horrific 2012 mass shooting at Sandy Hook was a hoax. 20 first-grade children and six adults were killed by a lone gunman. Yet, Alex Jones said it was a hoax and that they were crisis actors. 
Well, I'm sure the lawyer took the case because they assumed that uh, Alex Jones has money. And be honest with you, not all lawyers are all that respectable. Respectable. They bought into the lies, and now they're getting their licenses suspended. They're getting their just desserts, and thank God for that. One more thing I wanted to mention. This is kind of funny. Former President Donald Trump said ex-representative Adam Kinzinger may have run afoul of the law when he agreed to join CNN as a contributor. We talked about that earlier. Adam Kinzinger did not run for re-election, so he's no longer, at, on this day, today, he is no longer a representative in the House of Representatives. And, of course, the J6 committee has ended, too. So he's not in politics anymore. He was offered a job from CNN to be a contributor, and I'm not surprised by that. There's been plenty of politicians that got kicked out of their jobs, either either voted out or, or retired or whatever, and they end up on TV. Not surprising. Now, one day after exiting Congress, Kinzinger was introduced by Erin Burnett as CNN's newest senior political commentator. She said, Congressman, we're really thrilled to have you on board, so welcome, she said, during Wednesday's edition of Out Front. People have seen you over the past couple of years on the January 6th committee, and we're so glad to have you on board. Kinzinger has been one of the Trump's, one of Donald Trump's most vocal critics and has not surprisingly drawn the ire on Donald Trump on a number of occasions, particularly during his time on the House January 6th committee. Now, on Friday, Trump hopped onto his failing Truth Social platform and lashed out at the former congressman once more and suggested Kinzinger had broken the law. Really? What could he have done? How does he negotiate and get such a job when he's working on the January 6th Unselect Committee, Trump said, using his pet nickname for the panel, which is Childish. He's used it since um, uh, since it's been in operation and even since it's been dissolved. Wouldn't this be treme- be a tremendous and perhaps illegal conflict of interest? It just never ends with these losers. It's unclear why Trump seems to think it may be illegal for a former member of Congress to take a job at a cable news network or why it might be a conflict of interest for an outgoing member to seek employment upon his retirement. The committee wrapped up its businesses in December after extensive hearings and interviews with witnesses. One of its last acts was to withdraw a subpoena it issued to the former president as the panel sought Trump's testimony. But see, this is Donald Trump. He just makes shit up. He doesn't know anything. He's not the smartest man in the world. In fact, he may be the dumbest man in the world. But he doesn't like Adam Kinzinger because Adam Kinzinger came after him during the January 6th committee hearings. So he has to throw this out in the end. What a weak attempt. And this is the essence of Donald Trump. At one time, he had some power because he was president of the United States. He is no longer the president of the United States, in spite of what some Trump fucks might say. He's sitting in Mar-a-Lago in dirty diapers, ranting and raving like a wild man, to no avail. He can't do anything. All he can do is sit and wait for indictments. But this is what we can expect out of Donald Trump. Whining, crying, bitching, pissing, and moaning until such time he's shut up with an indictment. So be prepared. It's probably going to get worse before it gets better.
All right. We are going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.